0: Amen. Thank you, Chris. What a blessing it is to sing and perform and do what we can to the Lord, isn't it? He is the audience for whom we are here for. We're going through a series entitled Mission Accomplished, Promise Fulfilled. You have your worship bulletin there. Hopefully you have your Bible with you. If you do not, you're welcome to use and take the copies that are located there at the end of the pew. Mission Accomplished promise fulfilled god the son was on a mission when he came to the manger god always fulfills his promises even at christmas and god's faithfulness then reminds us we can trust him today so far we've seen how god is faithful in fulfilling his promises and prophecies by sending his son to be born of a virgin which was a promise first made in genesis chapter 3 and isaiah 7 We've also seen God sending Jesus into this world was the fulfillment of the promise that God would be with us in a very special way. He would no longer just be close in location to us, but he would be close in relationship to us when we hear Emmanuel, God with us. Then we heard the sad story last week of the flight to Egypt and the ferocity of King Herod's anger that would cause the death of all those babies in Bethlehem and in the surrounding region and how Joseph took Mary and Jesus to refuge in Egypt until the time was right for them to come back. And we learned that even when we fail, and we will, Jesus is faithful. We also learned that even when things get their darkest, we still have the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's look at the return trip. Let's look at the return trip of Mary and Joseph and the final prophecy, the final promise that Matthew brings us in Matthew chapter 2. It's not an easy one to understand, but I believe it's profound. So let's stand in honor of God's word and the title of the sermon is simply, He Shall Be Called a Nazarene. He shall be called a Nazarene. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Let's pray. Father, it is my desire that I not only speak clearly and faithfully your word and your truth, But we get what you're trying to tell us here today in your word. We get what Matthew was saying. We get what the prophets were saying. We get who Jesus is, what it means to be the Nazarene. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O God, my rock and my redeemer. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, a little background. A little background. Herod died in 4 B.C., and his son Archelaus took his place in the region that included Bethlehem. If you were to look at a map, you would see Judea, Samaria, Galilee. Judea, Samaria, Galilee. In Judea, where Bethlehem was, Archelaus took his place. And because of this, because God had told Joseph in a dream to go there, Joseph and his family instead headed to Nazareth in Galilee, which was a small community located in that region. It probably had 400 to 1,200 people in it, max, at the time of Jesus. And this was going to be Jesus' hometown until he was about 30 years of age, until he began his public ministry. And Matthew concludes this section with this interesting statement. He says, And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled that was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, something worth pointing out here is this is the first time Matthew says prophets. Plural, prophets. And he doesn't name a particular prophet. And also, I don't know about your Bibles, but in my Bible, it has quotation marks around, he shall be called a Nazarene. Does it? That should not be there. It's not a direct quote according to the Greek. So he simply says, he shall be called a Nazarene. So it's not a direct quote from the prophets. So, what does it mean? To be a Nazarene. There are two main possibilities that come to mind for us. First is the idea that Jesus was a Nazarite. I don't know if you've ever heard, if you've studied Old Testament, you've heard of the Nazarites. A Nazarite was an Israelite who was consecrated to the service of God under vows to abstain from alcohol, let his hair grow out, and avoid defilement by contact with corpses. And the original statement about a Nazarite is found in Numbers chapter 6. That's one possibility. Nazarite. I don't believe this is the case. Because there's no place that I'm aware of in scripture where the promised Messiah was said to take the Nazarite vow. And Jesus never referred to himself as a Nazarite. Which brings me to the second possibility. That Jesus is the promised messianic branch b-r-a-n-c-h the idea of branch was used by the prophets prophets in numerous scriptures and note numerous prophets used the branch picture to point to the messiah now hang with me here first here jeremiah chapter 23 and chapter 33 he actually says the same thing twice in both passages Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Then in Zechariah 3, 8, and 6, 12, it says this about the branch. Hear, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are wondrous. They are a wondrous sign, for behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. And in some of your translations, that branch is all caps. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. The branch is a big deal, wouldn't you say? Listen to Isaiah 4, 2, and 11, 1. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth will be the pride and the adornment of the survivors of Israel. And then we get to Isaiah 11, which is one of the most powerful messianic passages about the Messiah there is. And he says, starting with these words, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from shall grow out of his roots i want you to note that the spirit of the lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the lord so we have the prophets plural calling him this king the branch and here's the interesting thing the word that isaiah used in isaiah 11 for branch is a particular type of branch it's not a branch that grows out of the trunk of a tree y'all with me that's where branches grow, do they not? Unless you have privet hedge, okay? Branch grows out of a trunk of a tree. We're talking about a specific branch, and he uses a specific word for a branch that grows out of the root of the tree. The root. Still the same tree. It is the branch that grows out of the root of the tree, bypassing the trunk, but still at the same tree. Root still of the same source and the word used to describe the branch and only that branch in isaiah 11 that came from the root it's the word in the hebrew nazir netzer now how many of you knew that the jewish alphabet doesn't have vowels like a e i o and u do you know that they don't have that they don't have that so when you write the word branch in hebrew you only get three letters, N-Z-R. And when you write the word Nazarene in Hebrew, you only get three letters, N-Z-R. Y'all with me so far? Now, this isn't a small thing. So I'm proposing to you, Jesus is born in a city whose name could very well mean the home of the branch, Jesus is called, this isn't small, Jesus is called Jesus of Nazareth 40 times in the gospel. He was called that by people. He was called that by demons. And he was called that by himself. It was even put on the inscription above him on the cross. This is Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. So this title is important to understand. So what does it mean to be called a Nazarene, and why should you care? And I'm here to tell you, you should. Number one, it means he is despised and rejected. He is despised and rejected. You see up there a quote from John 1. John chapter 1, verse 45 and 46. Let me read it to you and attempt to do it with feeling. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. See, Nazareth was not a popular place. Now, I believe that Nazareth was despised for its size and its insignificance. As a matter of fact, there's two ancient records of cities from Galilee. One has like 40 names and the other has 60. Neither list includes Nazareth. It was so small and insignificant. It was, yet God chose to make this Jesus' hometown. Y'all with me so far? Why? Why? Well, it's very possible that Jesus' identification with such a despised and rejected city was a fulfillment of Isaiah 53, 3, when we have this description of the Messiah. It says, and you've heard this, he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our face from him. We ignored him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. He was no big deal. After all, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Even Acts 24, 5, we have this statement by a guy by the name of Tertullus accusing Paul, and he says these words, For we have found this man a plague and a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world, a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Sometimes places carry a reputation. And when you come from those places, that reputation can follow you, whether it's earned or not. Nazareth was one of those places. It's sort of like being called a redneck or a hick or a Mississippian. Certain places carry certain connotations, don't they? Here's the good news. Jesus was willing to associate with the lowly. I hate to tell you all this, but Jesus was a little bit of a redneck. He was a country boy. His place of birth carried no fame. He was willing to be despised for you. He was willing to be rejected for you. What are you willing to do for him? He's willing to be humble. If anybody deserved not to be humble, it's Jesus. Yet he was willing to be born in a little country town in the middle of nowhere where we don't even have a record of, that he could fulfill the prophecy for you? Are you willing to be despised and rejected for him? To be a Nazarene meant to be despised and rejected also. To be a Nazarene meant he is the branch of righteousness. The branch of righteousness. This is the prophecy of the reign of Jesse's offspring taken from Isaiah 11.1. Jesse was the father of King David and is considered the root of the royal line. The Messiah would definitely be seen as the branch of the root of Jesse. Paul says in Romans 15, 12 that Jesus is the root of Jesse. He is referring back to Isaiah. So what does it mean to be the branch of righteousness? Well, righteousness simply means to be in a right relationship with God. What does it take for a person to be in a right relationship with God? In other words, what does it take for a person to be made righteous? Well, it takes being connected to the branch. And the word for branch in Isaiah 11 is a very specific word. The Hebrew language had a word for branch. It was the word semah. A branch from a trunk. But the word in Isaiah 11 is not that word. It's the word netzer, which means a specific type of branch that doesn't grow out of the trunk, but grows out of the root of the tree and grows up separate from the rest of the tree, although it's made of the same stuff as the tree. And netzer is the word from which we get Nazarene. Jesus is the branch that came out of the root of Jesse, not of the trunk of Israel. Well, why do you start with a new branch at the root? It is because the trunk has been chopped down. See, the stem of Jesse is a stump. Through wicked rulers and unfaithful nations, God had laid the axe at the trunk of Israel and ended their reign of a royal line. The scepter had departed from Israel and fallen in the hands of Herod and Rome. I think it's very interesting, even today in Israel, there is no one that I'm aware of of the royal line sitting on a throne in Jerusalem. So what's the lesson here? What does this mean? It means God still made a way for his people even though they failed as a nation. God took the root of a stump and caused a branch to grow from it and this branch would come to be called in Jeremiah the Lord our righteousness. That branch is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth is the branch that God provided so that those who trust in him might find salvation today. So, Are you trusting in him? Are you trusting in him? To be a Nazarene meant to be despised and rejected. To be a Nazarene meant that Jesus became the branch of righteousness, that if anyone would trust in him, they would be made right with God. And finally, to be a Nazarene meant to be of the royal line. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. The stem of Jesse, which is mentioned in Isaiah 11, represents the royal line of the tribe of Judah. Mary and Joseph both come from that royal line. In Matthew 1, Matthew traces Jesus' genealogy through 42 generations. Luke includes other names, but also traces that line through King David. It is at King David the lines divide. And many people believe that one genealogy represents Joseph's genealogy and the other represents Mary's. How interesting that both of them would be from David. And Matthew starts his gospel with these words. He says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. And that Matthew, more than any other book in the Bible, referred to Jesus as the son of David. As a matter of fact, he called Joseph son of David. Not the son of David, but son of David. And we know this is a kingly title. As a matter of fact, it was a messianic title because of what is said in Matthew 12, 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute. This is Jesus. And Jesus healed him. So that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw, and all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? So when people call Jesus the son of David, it means that he is really from that line of King David. Here is what the prophet said about that royal line. Not every person in Israel could be of the royal line. Only those of the lineage of David. Jeremiah said this, he said, A king shall reign and prosper. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. So Jesus is that branch, grown up from the root of Jesse, part of the royal line, the line of King David, by right heir to the throne of David and therefore king. But listen, listen, not just king of Israel, king of kings and lord of lords. Not just their king, he's the king. The question is, is he your king? Is he your king? What does it mean to be Jesus the Nazarene? To be a Nazarene meant to be despised and rejected for us, and are we willing to suffer the same for him? To be a Nazarene meant that Jesus became that branch of righteousness, that if anyone would trust in him, they would be made right with God. And finally, to be a Nazarene meant he is of the royal line, king of kings, coming to execute justice and righteousness in the earth, worthy to be king of all. I want to leave you in closing. In closing, I want to leave you with a verse from Paul and these three statements. Paul in Romans 15 quotes one of the passages from Isaiah. And gives us some encouragement for Christmas. This is all about promises fulfilled. This is all about mission accomplished. This is all about Christmas. So, here's what he says in Matthew, in Romans 15, 12, and 13. This is Paul. There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. That's Jesus, is it not? That's Jesus. Now listen to the word of encouragement he gives us, and this is my word for you. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that he is that root, and that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So with God, there's always hope. Amen? Amen. With God, there's always hope. Christ promises that. Christmas proves that. The only question left is, are you ready to trust him? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you are in your relationship to the Lord, but if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ today, I'm here to tell you he is God's hope for the nations. He is the branch of righteousness. He is the way of salvation God has provided. So are you willing to give your hope and heart and your life to him? just a second we're going to have an invitation here. it's going to be an opportunity for you to respond I pray that you will put your hope in Jesus Christ this holiday season you won't find your hope in the things of this world your hope it can be in nothing less than Jesus Christ plain and simple Christmas proves that he came to be the Nazarene he came to be the righteous branch to give us hope for us, not just the Jewish nation, but for all of us. Won't you put your trust in him today? Heavenly Father, I just pray that you'd be with this invitation time. Lord, I ask that you would just bless it. And draw someone to you. Invite someone through the power, convicting power of your Holy Spirit to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.